Good morning. Clearly giving you a three-minute warning helped because you all went really quiet. So good morning, welcome. If you're a visitor, I know we have some visitors this morning, you are very welcome. We're very happy to have visitors. We hope you feel comfortable, you enjoy our time together, and that you've got a welcome pack. Um, if you've got anything you want help with during the meeting, not sure what to do, where to go, toilets, etc., please just ask someone in a yellow T-shirt and they will be able to help you. I feel like I need to share a first world problem with you this morning. If I look at you funny, <laughs> I'm trialing some new contact lenses, okay? They went in for the first time yes, late yesterday afternoon. For those of you who know, they're multifocals. And the optician didn't have the correct prescription for one of my eyes. So he thought he'd give me something slightly less strong than I need. Unfortunately, I can only see clearly to about the front row. <laughs> Everyone else is a blur, so do whatever you like and I won't know what you're doing. I can just about, if you walk how you normally walk, I'll probably work out who you are. And if you're wearing the clothes you normally wear, I'll work out who you are. But otherwise, I haven't got a clue. Um, yeah, not ideal, but there you go. First world problems. If you have a contribution, um, we love contributions. We love to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit working amongst us all. We're all here, we all have something to share. If you've got a prayer, if you've got a prophecy, if you've got a picture, if you've got a Bible verse, please come to the front and use the microphone so that it's on the recording, but also we can all hear. Um, have a chuck. Sean is responsible elder this morning. Um, I'm Helen, by the way. <laughs> Forgot to say that. <laughs> um, come and have a chat with us and we'll see, yeah. Everything's gone out the window this morning because I can't see. Um, come and have a chat with us and we'll see how we can fist it into the meeting this morning. Children, welcome. Hi, Henry. <laughs> you will be going downstairs as normal. Our children's work takes place downstairs. Usually people go out of that door, but there is a door that way as well. Uh, usually after the third song, but Christine, who's leading worship, will... Um, indicate when, when that's going to happen. Please, parents, take your children downstairs so you can register them in their groups. Uh, so a bit later, Andrew will be preaching, um, and I'll hand over to Christine. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. It's been a very strange week. All sorts of things going wrong, maybe in your life as well as in the world. Back in the time of Nehemiah, uh, the people had discovered that they had really failed God. And this is what Nehemiah said to them. Go and enjoy choice, choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's the title of our first song, The Joy of the Lord is Your Strength, or Our Strength. And Nadia's got some actions if the children want to follow her, or even the adults.
always there, even when things are dark, even when things go wrong. We can worship you. We can praise you.
We're going to share a new song with you guys this morning. It's called I Speak Jesus. Some of you that were at Commission Festival may recognize this one, may know this one, you may know it anyway. Um, if you don't know it, that's okay, it's fairly easy to pick up. Um, but just by way of introduction to this song, I wanted to just, um, I guess, give an encouragement, a reminder that speaking the name of Jesus is not, we're not just saying a word. Jesus is not just a word. We're speaking the name of Jesus because Jesus has power. Jesus is the one that brings power. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Jesus is the one that came and died on the cross for our lives. And so by speaking his name, we're inviting him into our situations to bring that power, that peace, that love, that salvation. We're going to sing, I just want to speak the name of Jesus.
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus. Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, your name, your name is
we speak the name of Jesus over the children and the young people as they go to their own spaces this morning. Jesus be with them. Jesus bless them. was created Jesus was he spoke and things came into being and now he holds all things together by the power of his word and sing he who was before there was light
Just tell God what it is that you're concerned about right now. Tell him he's listening. What a mighty and wonderful saviour we've been worshipping this morning. <clears throat> I think there's no doubt it is at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow. That he is the one who releases our chains, brings healing. He is the one who died in our place. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you that we can meet in your name, we can glorify you. We can know the presence of your Holy Spirit, not just on a Sunday, but every single moment of our lives. And we just want to continue to give you all the glory this morning, Lord. You are so, so worthy. You are so wonderful. Lord, I just pray that hearts would be drawn up to you this morning, just as, you know, that we would bring our burdens, that we would bring our praise, for you are so good and you are so willing to receive all that we have, Lord. Oh, we just worship you, Lord. Wonderful God. Amen. Thank you to the band who've disappeared. It was great. Um, okay, so in a moment, we're, we're going to be um, just spend a few minutes uh, praying once again for the situation in Israel and in Gaza. Um, Tear Fund have uh, released a, a prayer um, and on their website there's uh, other things that we can be praying for and so what I want to do just over the next few minutes um, in a moment I'm going to ask everyone to stand and there's a, gonna, a prayer a very short prayer is going to come up on the screen and we're just going to pray that through and then uh, we'll stay standing and I'd just like us to all raise our voices praying for God's intervention in the situation in Israel and in Gaza. And then I'm just going to conclude with a short prayer after that. Um, but uh, yeah, God tells us that we can bring anything, big or small, to him. He hears all our prayers. And so, you know, we, we as his people are called to pray into all sorts of circumstances, whether it's for our own families or for... You know, countries right across the world. It is something that not only we're called to do, but we're able to do because God hears us. Okay, so uh, Sandy, could you put that prayer up, please? Great, okay. So uh, I'm going to ask everyone to stand and we'll just read this together. Um, okay, here we go. Dear God, we cry out to you on behalf of the people seriously affected by the conflict in Gaza and Israel. Our hearts break at the devastation and suffering that we see, and we know it breaks yours too. 
We ask that you would stretch out your mighty hand to bring an end to this war. We cry out for people who have been injured or traumatised, who have lost loved ones or their homes. Please provide everything they need and be their comfort, their hope, their healer and their safe refuge. We pray for your peace to reign. We look to you as our saviour and the hope of the world. Amen. Well, stay standing and just... We're going to continue, you can just, we'll just lead out together in prayer, but things that you could be praying about for peace, for safety, for strength, for hope, and for healing in uh, this situation. So we're just going to spend a few moments, let's all pray out loud together in prayer. Father God, I thank you that we do not come to one who is uh, unable or not listening to our prayers, but we come to the one who is more than able, who is listening to every prayer that we bring. And Lord, we just want to lift this situation to you, this, uh, this warfare, this in Israel and in Gaza, Lord. We just pray for your peace to be there, Lord. We pray for your spirit to be moving in the midst of that place. We ask, Lord, for the peacemakers who are endeavouring to bring this, uh, you know, a finish to this conflict. Lord, would you enable them, give them wisdom to make good decisions and to press forward, uh, even when hope seems almost lost, Lord. And we pray for those who are suffering, that they would know your presence and safety in the midst of all that's going on, Lord God. Your will be done, we pray, there and everywhere, that your name would be glorified. Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus, would be glorified even in the middle of this war, Lord God. Amen. Hand over to Helen. Yeah, please sit down. On a similar note, I'm just going to give some information about Remembrance Day. We've got many folk amongst us in our church family who have maybe not been in Alton before on Remembrance Day, or maybe even in the country on Remembrance Day and wondering what it's all about. Or maybe you've been here a long time, you still don't even really know what it's all about. So I'm just going to leave a little bit of information about what we're doing next Sunday. There's no meeting here um, in the same way that we would normally meet um, for Remembrance Sunday. We're encouraging you to go to the Ken, which is the War Memorial in um, Crown Hill, 
there will be a short meeting here um, for those that feel unable to make that um, Remembrance Day parade and service. So Remembrance Day is a memorial day. It commemorates those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for their country in the line of duty. It also celebrates and supports the veterans of combat of war over the years. So originally the day commemorated Armistice Day, which was at the end of the First World War, but it subsequently become a memorial for all those who've lost their lives in any conflict that's happened since then. So the reason we observe Remembrance Day on November 11th is because the hostilities formally ended and many of you will know this, you'll say it with me, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918, the end of the First World War. But we also celebrate Remembrance Sunday, which is always the closest Sunday to the 11th, which is next Sunday. So we celebrate the day to honour and pay tribute to those who selflessly served their countries, protecting the freedom and the values that we hold so dearly in this nation. It's also a way that we can ensure that we never forget those who fought and died for our freedom, that they're never forgotten. And it's also a time to reflect on the horror of war, the bravery of soldiers and the impact of their sacrifice on our lives. So through ceremonies, parades, moments of silence, we come together as a whole community to honour their memory and express our gratitude. And it also serves a reminder of the importance of peace and unity. So you'll see many of us wearing poppies. That's one thing that uh, many of us do. Poppies have become an important symbol for the war because as many as you'll know, they were um, flowers that grew in Flanders, in Belgium, in the, the fields where the war was fought, they grew. So they've become a symbol of the war and, and remembrance. So as I said, next week there is a ceremony, a parade through the town. The, the high street is closed and there'll be a parade from the market square up to the Cairn on Crown Hill where the names of those um, local people from Alton surrounding villages from the First and Second World War are on the memorial. And it happens all over the UK and a big um, ceremony, as you know, in London. So that's what Remembrance is all about. So please join us at the Cairn. Um, the parade starts at 10.30. There is the moment of silence at 11. There is um, uh, an order of service that we follow. And if you can't make that, there will be a meeting here at 10.30. But we'd encourage as many as you can to join us at the Ken on Sunday morning. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Helen. And also, just to highlight... Um, we were meant to be having an encounter this afternoon uh, out at the Batson's farm, but due to ill health, we can't go ahead with that. But next Sunday evening at 7.30, instead, we will have a time of worship, uh, enjoying and delighting ourselves in God, an encounter happening here, 7.30 Sunday evening. So if you're not able to make either of the meetings in the morning, there is an opportunity to gather again to worship and meet with God at 7.30 Sunday evening here in Alton Maltings, but the encounter which was scheduled for this afternoon out at the farm is not happening. Apologies about that, 
Uh, so we've only had to change that in the last 24 hours. Well, I wonder whether, like me, perhaps uh, many years ago in your life, you ever uttered the words, I'll never forgive you. Or maybe it was, I'll never forgive them. Maybe you uttered it to yourself. That was part of my story, certainly. Uh, and it feels like in the world today, forgiveness is a much lacking quality. Phrases such as, don't get mad, get even. I don't know if you remember that one. That was around a few years ago. Bitterness being expressed in all sorts of different ways on social media, demonstrated in, uh, in uh, public media, in the TV, in uh, soap dramas, uh, uh, all of those different places you'll find it in the newspapers. Your business is, a, is effectively a fruit of unforgiveness. Um, it's even lauded, it seems, in some settings, so it's a good thing. And uh, so today we want to dig into the Bible to, as part of our series, explore what Jesus had to say about forgiveness. And uh, so to do that, we're going to turn to uh, one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew. If you've got your Bible with you, if you want to uh, turn to Matthew chapter 18, that's great, but it will come up on the screen as well. And uh, we're going to read from verse 21 to verse 35 of Matthew chapter 18. The parable of the unmerciful servant. And Peter came to Jesus and asked Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he, his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But the man refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Father, we do ask as we...
consider your word. Help us. Help us, Father, to take hold of it. Do not just take the bits we like, but to take the whole of your word. And help us to apply it into our lives. Oh God, that you be glorified. Your kingdom come in each of our lives, Lord, more and more. And to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. It's perhaps a parable you've read many times before, the parable of the unmerciful servant. But I don't know about you, but as I was reading it fresh in preparation for this morning, I found God just challenging me so powerfully over what this has to say. So I want to draw out two uh, big themes, first of all, uh, from this passage and try and help us to apply it. The first one is this, God forgives us. Now, uh, obviously this is a parable. Let's just explain. A parable is a story Jesus is telling to demonstrate something. In this story, the king represents God. And the settling of the accounts is about divine judgment. That is God's judgment of mankind at the end of our lives or at the end of the earth. The debt which is owed by the uh, unmerciful servant is the equivalent of a billion days for a peasant's wages. It's also the, the 10,000 number which is used was the biggest single number which existed in Greek at the time. So Jesus was, uh, yeah, he wasn't saying it has to be a billion days debt. He was just saying, hey, this is beyond anybody's ability to pay. That was the point he was getting at, that the, the debt was beyond anyone's reach. In fact, probably, commentators would say, the debt which Jesus uses in this story was probably greater than all the money in circulation in the whole of Palestine, that region of Palestine, at that time. It was that big. And so when we read this story, we need to understand in this first part that this debt is totally unpayable. And yet, what we find here in this story is a God who forgives even the unpayable. And of course, that is a parallel. It's, it's looking forward to Jesus' uh, death on the cross that each and every one of us can be forgiven our sin, which was unpayable to God. That God who is holy, who is righteous, the God we've been singing about this morning and delighting in and enjoying this morning, that God, he, even though he's holy and righteous, he in his justice and mercy makes a way for each and every one of us who wants to, to be forgiven our sin, who come and ask for forgiveness, and it's achieved in Christ. I just want to remind us, uh, Paul in Ephesians 2 talks of uh, how dead we were. He uses these words, uh, that we were dead in our sin. If you're dead in your sin, there's not much hope, is there? <laughs> Can't do anything about it. Just remember this. 
each one of us, no matter how good we were, were dead in our sin. That's how we stood before God, before Jesus, outside of God's love, outside of his provision of Jesus. We were dead in our sin. And we were under God's wrath. Apologies, uh, uh, there was a typo in my notes which has gone through into the PowerPoint. It's Ephesians 2.3, not Ephesians 2.4. But we were under God's wrath. That is under God's righteous judgment. God who is holy, able to judge us who are unholy. And as a result of that, we were under God's wrath. It's not a word we use very often, is it? God's righteous judgment. And in fact, verse 4, which isn't up here, says, But God, rich in mercy, because of his great love, made us alive. He saved us by his grace. (laughs) And that's the God we come to. Rich in mercy. We've been singing about that this morning. Great in his love. And then Paul continues writing to the Ephesians and says, Hey, you were without hope. You were hopeless. You were a hopeless case. Outside of Christ, that's where we stood. That's how we were. Outside of God's redeeming work on the cross, of Christ's redeeming work on the cross, we were without hope. Now you may say, well, Andrew, why are you you pushing this? We we know that. Or most of us here perhaps know that. But I think sometimes we forget the enormity of the journey we've been on. The enormity of God's love. The just, wow. I mean, just consider it for a moment. (laughs) I was dead. I was without hope. I was under the judgment of God for my sin. I was uh, under that. And yet, in Christ, I am forgiven. I'm made pure and holy. In Christ, I'm given hope. In Christ, I'm given a new life. In Christ, I'm brought into the family of God to have relationship with God. In Christ, I am forgiven because in the forgiveness of God achieved at the cross of Christ, all those other things happen. And that's the turning point, receiving God's forgiveness. Jesus uh, commenting or recorded in uh, Luke uh, 7.47 says this, Those who have been forgiven much love much. Those who have been forgiven much love much. Maybe maybe you're here today and this is all new to you. You may think, yeah, their worship's a bit, bit loud, a bit lavish. We've been forgiven much. We want to celebrate that. We want to rejoice in that. We want to remind ourselves in that. We've been forgiven much. Our lives have been transformed because we've been forgiven much. Therefore, we want to love much. Yes. Let's love much. Let's love our God greatly. Let him be our joy. Let him be our strength. Let him be sufficient for all of our desires. And even this morning, I believe that God is wanting to draw us back to that place 
of loving him much. For some of us, I think we've just got so uh, drawn into the busyness of the world and everything going on in our lives, perhaps we've even lost that sense of our forgiveness, of the grace of God in our lives. Or perhaps we've never even known it. Today, let's come back. Let's come back and find a fresh understanding, a fresh revelation, a fresh experience of God's grace and mercy in our lives, that we can know that God has forgiven us everything we have done. Everything. And as we enjoy that, as we celebrate that, we'll move on in a moment, but we're also called to forgive others, as the passage told us. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you a brief story. Um, many years ago, about 30 years ago, I spent a year at Bible College in Brighton. And um, I, was in a, I was part of a, the team which led the youth work in this church in Brighton whilst being involved in Bible College. And uh, one day somebody brought a, a word in our youth meeting about um, allowing the Spirit to convict us of our sin. And uh, at the same time, I was reading a book which also talked about this. And I found God speaking to me and saying, are you prepared to pray a dangerous prayer, Andrew? Now, I've been a believer seven, eight years, I guess, by then, something like that. And I felt God saying to me, are you prepared to pray and ask me to highlight any sin you've not addressed in your life? Now, I don't know about you, but that felt quite big to me. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I've got to then be prepared to actually address it. And that wasn't just necessarily things which I'd done wrong to God. That may be things I'd done wrong to other people as well. I, I chewed on it for a bit of time. And I guess I weighed it up in one sense. It felt costly. And I remember uh, going to my room one day and thinking, I'm, I may need a bit of time for this. So setting aside a chunk of time and praying, God, please, Holy Spirit, if there's things I need to address which I've done in my life before you or with other people, would you show me? Now, many years before, I'd worked in a filling station, a car petrol station uh, and uh, uh, the, I used to do the lock up on a Sunday evening on the shift and the final thing you had to do is you had to press a button on the till which printed out all the transactions of the day and you put that in the folder and left it in the file and whatever else and you, that printout used to depending how busy the day had been it used to go on for quite some time and I can only describe, having prayed that prayer, it felt like God pressed the button of my till. And this long list of things came to the fore. And the Spirit of God just convicted me and very graciously took me on a journey of dealing with those things I wonder whether you've ever done that. Maybe you have, maybe I'm just way behind the curve. I find every so often I need to do that again. 
because I want to keep a short account with God. I, I want to deal with those things I've got wrong and done wrong, whether to God or to others. Perhaps it's a prayer, actually, you want to pray. We'll have an opportunity for ministry later on, and that may be something you want somebody to stand with you and pray. Maybe it's something you need to go away and think about before praying it. And just, just asking, allow God to speak to you. They're having fun downstairs, don't worry. <laughs> I haven't got a clue what's going on. <laughs> Chris, do you want to come and share? Chris, Chris felt he had a word during our, our meeting this morning. He came and shared it, and we felt actually it would be a good thing. Can we have a microphone, please? It would be a good thing for Chris to share in the middle of my preach. Go for it. Um, no, I've turned it on. It's on. Isn't life real sometimes? Sometimes you have good days. Some, you, some days you kind of coast through. And then sometimes God speaks to you. And uh, some days you're, at, you're over the moon about what he tells you. And other, other times you, you feel the realness of God on your life. And... Um, and uh, I took a cold into work about three weeks ago. Um, now, I don't want to go into that, but the, my work colleagues weren't too happy with that. And I was suffering a bit of, um, well, they were, some of them were ignoring me. And uh, two weeks afterwards, I really felt a conviction about asking their forgiveness for it. And this was on Tuesday, by the way. Um, just to say that I didn't know what Andrew was going to speak about this morning because the, 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 the newsletter hadn't come out then. And um, I felt I should go in and say sorry to them. So I, I, I went in and apologised. One to, There was two of them. Um, and I apologised to them. Now, one of them didn't take it too well and the other one took it reasonably well. Um, but that wasn't a concern to me, really, because I was only doing what I felt God was saying that I needed to do. And I, I was just... Now, I had a story now in the, in the week, and uh, a friend was talking to me about a, a cousin of his who had a serious illness. And uh, he went round to see her, and he was concerned about her. And, he, and she had some sisters, and he contacted one of them, and she didn't want to know. There was some unforgiveness there. There wasn't any concern on her behalf. She wanted to get involved in her sister, in her illness, which was very serious, life-threatening, in fact. Now, me asking forgiveness is a small thing, but sometimes it leads to deeper things that ingrain in our lives and brings us down now, I could have let this go on for probably 
longer, but God laid it on my heart to ask forgiveness. And I just felt I should share that with you this morning. Um, if you have anything that you're holding in your heart, we're asked before we have communion to go and sort it out with our brothers and sisters if we hold anything in our hearts. I'm just challenging you this morning. It may be the hardest thing you do, but God will honour you in it. And you will have a lighter heart because of it, as Andrew's just shared about his till. Thank you, Chris. Well, he's uh, sort of taken us on a bit of a journey in that uh, he's taken me to our next point. And uh, that's this. Not only are we to ask God for his forgiveness and actually others as well, but we're to forgive others. See, in verse 35, that passage we read finished with, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It's fairly categorical. There's not a lot of room there for debate or discussion. We are called not only to enjoy God's forgiveness, but in that place of knowing and enjoying God's forgiveness, to forgive others. It's pretty simple. You may say, what's forgiving others look like? (coughs) Well, we get a bit of a clue here in that he says, unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So we're not just talking about a token, oh, I forgive them. We're talking about something which is deep down. You know, I don't know about you, but I hope it's the same for you. My heart is buried deep in here. I'm not very good with biology, so apologies if you're medically trained and you're thinking it's not there. But it's somewhere around here. It's buried. It's under my ribcage, I think, if I've understood it correctly. It's deep. It's protected by my ribcage. There's layers of fat and tissue and whatever else around it to cushion it and protect it. But similarly, my heart is the uh, centre of my life in terms of uh, without it, I haven't got... Uh, an ability to pump blood around my body, therefore my body will not function. So it's pretty fundamental, isn't it? And we need to forgive from our hearts. Can I suggest to you that that means we don't just forgive in a superficial way, oh yeah, I forgive, but we actually need to connect with what's happened because often it's our hearts that feel hurt and pained when somebody does something to us which, in due course, we need to forgive them for. Perhaps they say something about us and we feel we're being slandered. Perhaps they do something to us. Perhaps they've bullied us. And we've got terrible memories of what they did to us. And please, there will be people in this room, I know, because just life experience tells me this, there will be people who have experienced phenomenal hurt and pain and I'm not making light of that in any way but please know this you need to forgive them from your heart it's a choice it is a choice 
in the face of the hurt and the pain, effectively what it is about is it's about letting the person go, letting them adrift on the sea of God's justice, leaving God to deal with them, saying, I'm no longer going to be their judge, I'm no longer going to hold them to account, I'm no no longer going to uh, allow my life to be built around unforgiving, my unforgiveness of this person. And it's hard. You may think, well, Andrew, you're making out it's really easy. Believe me, I have done this journey in my own walk with God and in my own life circumstances. As the Father has put his finger on my heart at various points in my life and said, are you going to forgive them? I'll never forget forgiving one person who did something to me when my when I was a child, and it had shaped my life for over 25 years, that basically I said, I'll, I'll never cry again because of what they did and how they treated me. And one day, God putting his finger on that and saying, are you going to forgive them? Are you going to forgive them for what they said, for what they did to you? And making that choice... I'm finding the tears flowing down my face for the first time in over 25 years. Why? Why go through that pain? Well, because the scriptures tell us to. The scriptures tell us we need to forgive. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive my brother from your heart. Now you may be thinking, oh yeah, but that's just one passage of scripture. My dear friend, there are numerous times in scriptures which talks about this. You know, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, that lovely passage of scripture we love to read and uh, absorb and use as a framework to pray. We get in Matthew 6, 14, for if you forgive others their offences, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offences. There we go. Sorry, I should have put it up. I.e., true repentance results in a willingness to forgive others. There's a heart thing which needs to happen. If I'm repentant before God, if I'm allowing God's forgiveness to invade my life, to shape my life, then I also need to express that forgiveness to others. And we could turn to Mark 11.25 where uh, it talks about if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. We could turn to Luke 23.24 where Jesus demonstrates this at his crucifixion and prays, Father, forgive them to the people who are persecuting him and killing him on the cross. And of course, we don't just do it once, as this passage we read earlier talks about. Whether that is 70 times 7 or 77 times, there is a bit of debate. But either way, it's an awful lot. It's not just if they do something wrong once you forgive them, but after that, no way. Or maybe seven times, because seven's the perfect number. That's what this, the person asking uh, uh, the question in this passage was getting at. And they thought they were being really spiritual. I'll forgive them seven times, God. And he says, oh, hold on a moment. Try 70 times seven. I 490 times. I'm, you know, it's not that number. 
We don't keep a record, chalk it up, even if it was 77. What he's getting at is keep on forgiving. You keep on forgiving. We don't stop forgiving. Just as we find that God doesn't stop forgiving us, we continue to express his forgiveness to others. Friends, can I make this point? Forgiving others is not just a nice thing to do. It's essential. It's essential to our walk with God. It's essential for our faith. It's a fundamental. So you may say, well, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. Let's just talk about who do we need to forgive. I've already mentioned this and referred to my own personal story. I would say anyone who's sinned against us, anyone who's done something to us, which has inflicted hurt and pain, which has locked us up. That may be in our work setting, it may be in our home setting, in our family, in school, maybe in the church family, it may be deep friendships, it may be superficial friendships, it may be the person who cut you up in the car. We have a choice. We can either harden our hearts, not forgive. It seems to have an impact on our relationship with our loving Heavenly Father. Or we can choose to forgive. So you may say, well, how do I do it? How do I forgive? Well, here's a very simple framework. It is only a very simple framework because ultimately it's our interaction with Almighty God that we're involved with here. And yeah, our framework is just that. It's only to help us. But uh, forgiveness is a choice. We start by making a choice. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. It's not, I mean, you can pray, Lord, help me to forgive, but that's just saying, please help me to forgive. That's not saying I choose to forgive. It's different. I choose to forgive. And then, not just what they did, but how it made me feel. I choose to forgive that person for how it made me feel, for the impact it's had on my life. And then asking God to come and open the door of our hearts and lives and to bring healing to us. To heal our broken hearts, to heal the damage which was done. As we release that person, because that's what's happening. As we choose to forgive somebody, we're actually releasing them. We're trusting, entrusting them to God to deal with, rather than trying to hold them in our hearts and lives to account. gory warning I'm just going to use a bit of an illustration which is a little bit gory so if you're a bit you know uh, you may just want to stick your fingers in your ears for a moment when I was set, I think seven or eight I was on a camping holiday and I was flying a kite and um, the kite wasn't doing terribly well so I was doing what you know most children do with the kite running backwards like this yeah trying to generate the wind to get the kite into the air. What I didn't realize was um, behind me was a barbed wire fence. Told you. And I ran backwards into a barbed wire fence. And of course, when you're running, your, your legs are coming up and down. 
And uh, I'm looking at some faces here thinking, I may just need to temper this down a bit. <laughs> but my left leg just uh, braked two of the barbs on the wire. Let's just leave it like that. And it made quite a mess. And the, uh, the cuts were quite long and uh, relatively deep because barbs are a little bit deep. Now, we were camping. So mum gets out what is, in those days, what you use for treating cuts like that. Iodine. Well, the older generation remember iodine. Left you with those big orange stains where it had gone. And uh, so I squealed a bit, it has to be said. It was jolly painful. But I'm so glad Mum put that iodine on those cuts because otherwise they could have come infected. And instead of coming infected, over time they healed up. And I had scars on the back of my legs until, or the back of my leg, until I guess into my 30s, but gradually actually the scars have disappeared because that's what happens over a long period of time, particularly if you're young. And uh, so my scars have virtually gone. If I hunt really carefully, I can just about see the remains of it. That's the process of healing which the physical body can go through. If mum hadn't put the iodine on the wounds, the likelihood is they probably would have got infected. If they got infected, then maybe it would have been a trip to hospital. Or maybe you just leave them infected. For some of us, we carry wounds which have never healed because we've never forgiven. Because we've never washed out the dirt. We've never addressed the sin which happened to us. We've never forgiven the person. And we've never allowed God to come and heal. And this morning, the Spirit of God is brooding in this place and drawing us both to know God's forgiveness and healing, that restoration of our sin, but also to walk away from by addressing the sin of others done to us. Can I invite you to stand, please? I'm going to lead us in prayer. If you want to join me in this prayer, you're really welcome to. It's a dangerous prayer. It's the prayer I prayed 30 years ago, which resulted in a bit of a till roll coming out of my life. Saying, fundamentally, God, would you reveal to me things I need to deal with with you? And would you reveal things in my life which I need to deal with with others? Whether that's things I've done to others or others have done to me. And would you give me grace? Would you give me your grace? Would you lavish me with your grace and help me to take those steps? Why? Because God has made us to be in full relationship with him. And his full relationship with him includes resolving that stuff which happened in the past. Father, would you come and help us? We need your help. Oh God, we need your help. None of, us, none of us, not one of us in this room have got this fast. We're all learning. 
Father, would you help us to see those things which we've done, which we need to find your forgiveness for in our lives. Holy Spirit of God, would you come and reveal them to us? Would you show them to us? And would you please help us to do exactly the same to those who have done things to us, that just as we receive your forgiveness, we will be able to forgive others. God, we need your help. Come and help us, we ask. We offer ourselves to you, the source of all mercy, the source of all grace, our loving, heavenly Father who's pure and holy and completely and totally just and trustworthy. And we say, help us, please, Lord. Because we want to live for you in all you've called us to be and to do for your glory in Jesus' most precious name Amen Amen we're going to bring our time together this morning to a conclusion at this point if you've prayed that prayer or perhaps you're thinking I would love to have prayed that prayer but I haven't because I didn't yet and you need to talk to somebody please come and grab somebody and talk to us uh, if I could ask a prayer, our folk who are happy to pray with others just to head down to the blue wall there and if you want prayer, head down there. Please start heading down there now. If you're happy to be praying for others today on this, please head down there and, uh, 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 and you can go and receive prayer. But you may actually need to go away and process first, and that's fine and good, but don't lose this in the business of life. Do hold on to it. Let's address it. Let's walk in the grace of God together. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. We're going to finish our uh, meeting at that point. Uh, parents, can I ask you please to go and get your children? If you aren't able to go and get your children, please send somebody else you trust and who they'll know you're sent to go and get them if you need prayer now. Thank you. <laughs>